the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called Something Beautiful for God, discussing what the Bible says about humanity, sexuality, marriage, and procreation. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Let's give our attention now to God's word. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Jesus does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Say you went into the city of Chicago and you stopped people on the street and asked them what the purpose of marriage is, and say there were some who didn't quicken their pace and try to get away from you when you asked them that sort of question, but actually took time to answer it. What is the purpose of marriage? What would they say? What would the conception be of what the whole purpose of marriage is? Why do we have this thing called marriage? What would people give as a reason for that? I'm confident that if you were to talk to a random sampling of people within the city of Chicago, you'd hear a wide variety of different responses as you talk to a wide variety of people of backgrounds, uh, a wide variety of backgrounds like different cultures, different uh, upbringings, different cultures, different ideologies. Many of those responses would probably have something true about marriage in them, but many of them, most of them, maybe all of them would miss the holiness part of marriage. If you were to talk about what the purpose of marriage is, I'm guessing you would hear one of these sorts of things. The purpose of marriage is to find your soulmate. The purpose of marriage is to always have a date to social events. The purpose of marriage is to be completed in relation to the other 
The purpose of marriage is love. The purpose of marriage is to have your best friend with you always. The purpose of marriage is to have someone to enjoy hobbies with. The purpose of marriage is to have children, to create a legacy, to preserve a family name. The purpose of marriage is stability, always having someone there for you, having your needs met. The purpose of marriage is sex. The purpose of marriage is financial security. The purpose of marriage is to strengthen the country, make sure that there continues to be a tax base, strengthen our society, help it be orderly. That might be, those might be a smattering of responses that you would hear if you were to stop people sort of along the way in the city of Chicago. In those responses, there are several things that are right, actually. Let me read for you from the Christian Reformed Church Form for Marriage because it gives to us some of the purposes of marriage. Now, I use this form when I perform weddings because it's the one the Christian Reformed Church gives to us. But check out the things that they say. In putting his blessing on a marriage, God intended that it would provide a context within which husband and wife can help and comfort each other and find companionship. Now, that's about friendship. It's about relationship. It's about having a companion. It's about having a date. A setting within which we may give loving and tender expressions to the desire that God has given to us. That's about sex. A secure environment within which children may be born and taught to know and serve the Lord. That's about having kids. That's a part of the purpose of marriage. And a structure that enriches society and contributes to its orderly function. So it's saying marriage is good for the country. It's good for the order of the world in which we live. In the 1912 version of the CRC form for marriage, the first one that was written, this is what the form said. Marriage was established to extend the human race so to have kids, to advance the kingdom of God, to build up the church, and to enrich the lives of those entering this state. So the purpose is, is happiness and enrichment. To fulfill these purposes, a husband and wife must be lovingly devoted to each other, sharing responsibility for the nurture of the children. The Lord may give them as his heritage and parties to his covenant. So a heavy emphasis on discipleship and raising children to know and serve the Lord. And then it says, marriage then is a divine ordinance intended to be a source of happiness to us, a place of fulfillment and happiness. Children building God's kingdom through raising those children, love, devotion, discipleship, catechesis, happiness. And without diminishing any one of those callings, which are good callings, let me remind you of another one that is often de-emphasized, but is talked about at length in Ephesians chapter 5, and that is sanctification. And you might wonder, well, what does that mean? Well, sanctification means to be made holy, to be made more like Jesus. That's what it means to be sanctified, to be more like Jesus, to grow in holiness. And this is a purpose of marriage. Tim Keller would call it the mission of marriage, being made more holy. And check out the detail that scripture goes into here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her. There's that word, sanctify that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, that he might sanctify her. The scripture here is speaking of the particular self-giving love that should characterize a husband. The kind of self-giving love that took the Lord Jesus to the cross. This sanctifying, making holy is a part of the self-giving love of the Lord Jesus. And it applies to Christian husbands and it should apply to marriages. Marriage is a sanctifying institution. It is a making holy institution. 
Marriage is a an institution that can turn up the heat or increase the pressure and the fires of sanctification burn the hottest in times where the temperature is turned up or there starts to be pressure put on another individual. And in God's good plan and determination, marriage is the place where that happens all the time. Sometimes at three o'clock in the morning when you accidentally, you know, maybe wake the other person up and a fight can ensue that you never anticipated. Not that that's ever happened to us, no. But because you're with another person all the time, the temperature is turned up and the heat is increased. We're going to talk about two things. First, how marriage is a sanctifying place. And then how we should see it as our mission to hope and pray that God would use marriage to sanctify you you and your spouse. So first, marriage is a sanctifying place. It's a sanctifying place once you're married because there is no place to hide. In certain ways, it's safer to fight with a friend. If you have a simple friendship, it's safer to fight with that sort of friend. You can get in a heated debate, you can have a fight, and then you can go to your own homes and cool off, and you don't have to talk with each other for a few days or maybe a few weeks, and you can avoid each other for a little bit, and then you can see each other after a period of time has progressed, and you're well-rested, and you're ready to move forward, and it's in the past, and that's how you can overcome those sorts of things. That's not possible in marriage. You have a big fight with a person, And then you have to sleep in the same bed as that person. And it's pretty tough not to talk to that person when you see them around the house and it makes things pretty uncomfortable and you can't take a few days off to cool down because that person is in your house along with you. And with a friendship, if you say something that you really didn't mean, maybe something that's really cruel, that you didn't intend, one of the sad results that can come from that is that you just... Start spending less time with that person and you can drift apart and there's no breaking of covenant to move away from a friendship, to move in a different place. But if you lose your temper and you say something really cruel to your spouse that you didn't really mean, that cuts them to the heart, you're still going to have to wake up next to that person. And the covenant obligations of marriage mean that you have to try to figure out a way through that with that person. And you hear it and you think, man... If I can't say amen, at least I can say ouch as I hear all of that because I realize that that applies to marriage, to my marriage. And then, of course, you add kids to the mix and everything intensifies. There's one comedian who has six kids and he says, you know what it's like to have a sixth child? It's like you're drowning and then somebody hands you a baby. And uh, the fights can get more intense Because you're never well-rested, and the baby's going to wake you up every few hours to nurse again and again and again, and toddlers will run around and draw on the walls, and young kids will start yelling when you're on important phone calls that you need to try to silence them while still having a business conversation, and your sleep isn't the same, and your teens will roll their eyes at you, and the young adults will start making decisions that keep you up at night. You get tired. And you can sometimes fight dirty when you're tired. And something that you and I will discover is that we might believe that we have everything together. We might believe that we've got everything handled. We might believe that we're pretty holy people, but it's just because we haven't been tested. 
And we see people under more strain or pressure and we're like, my goodness, I'd never be like that myself until you find yourself in that sort of place. And marriage, the wonderful institution that it is, bringing together two people with two different ways of understanding the world will press you and it will reveal your impurities. It will reveal the way that you are unholy. I had no idea I could be so petty. I had no idea I could speak like that when under pressure. I had no idea I was so selfish. I had no idea how much I was living for myself. All of these sorts of things are things that I have heard again and again and again from people who have entered this glorious institution and all of a sudden found that they are married to a person who will remind them of their selfishness just by their presence. And all of this is really important. That he might sanctify her. To reveal your own sin, to enable you to repent, to genuinely repent, to take it to God, and then to turn away from that sin. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called Something Beautiful for God, discussing humanity, sexuality, marriage, and procreation. Marriage is a sanctifying place. It just is by its existence. That's the first part. And the second part is that we should want it to be. We should want it to be that. That is, in fact, the mission of marriage. Tim Keller has a whole chapter about this called The Mission of Marriage in his book, The Meaning of Marriage. And you can check it out and see where I've borrowed from him in in two or three places. We should delight in the mission of marriage, the fact that marriage has been created to make us holy To quote Tim Keller, marriage is the place where we should be helping our spouse become his or her future glory self. C.S. Lewis says this, if we let him, if we let God, he will make the feeblest and filthiest of us into a god or a goddess, a dazzling, radiant immortal creature pulsating all through with such energy and joy and wisdom and love as we cannot now imagine, a bright stainless mirror which reflects back to God perfectly, though of course on a smaller scale, his own boundless power and delight and goodness. That process will be long and in parts very painful, but that is what we are in for, nothing less. The process of sanctification, of becoming more and more and more like Jesus, is not a simple one. You and I are not, are not by our nature very much like Jesus. You and I are not by our nature free from sin. We are not by our nature holy. And so the process of being made to be more and more like Jesus can be a painful one. One that requires you to come to grips with the fact that you are in need of a savior. 
I appreciated what Kaylee said in his confession and assurance, a reminder that we need to hear the law and let it wash over us and let it remind us that we haven't kept it. If we are to be people who in fact grow in holiness, we need to recognize that we are not perfect right now. The only way to improve, the only way for there to be progress is for there to be a recognition that there needs to be progress. And that's hard. It's hard. It's hard to be in a covenant relationship with someone who will remind you, even if it's just by a look, you're doing that thing again. It's hard to be in relationship with another person who will lovingly confront you about how it is that you act at those times when you are exhausted, nobody else is around. It's hard to be in a relationship with a person that you can't get away from because it reveals some of those impurities and it should. And the response is to recognize that and turn to Jesus and admit it. It's not to look at your spouse and be like, well, it's because you did this. It's because you're always doing that. The problem is you. I mean, you're making me do all of this. It's... It might be the ground for that, right? But it's not their fault that you're acting like that. It's to repent and take it to Jesus and recognize, man, this really is who I am when given the right set of circumstances. Please, God, forgive me. Your responsibility in marriage One of the best, most important things that you can do in marriage is to encourage your spouse to grow in holiness and to allow God to use marriage to grow you in holiness. And so how can this be accomplished? Well, first, the first thing that you have to do to accomplish this is that you have to love Jesus more than you love your spouse. If, there, if marriage is to be like a, a, a sanctifying institution in the best sorts of ways, and if you're going to be used in the best sorts of ways, you need to love Jesus more than your spouse. You see, your spouse has never died to save you from your sins. Jesus has. Your spouse is not Lord or God, but Jesus is. Jesus went to the cross for you and shed his blood for you and forgave you who trust in him there on the cross. It's amazing because of what he has done for you, because God has redeemed you through his death and resurrection. He needs to be first in your marriage and and you can't joyfully participate in the best sorts of ways in sanctification unless Jesus is first, unless he is the first priority in your marriage. But here's what's wonderful. If he is, if he is, then the rest of the rest of the stuff comes to starts to fall into place. It's it's more challenging but also more simple than we're tempted to believe. Sometimes we think, all right, well, as long as I get everything straight, as long as I've got the right sort of plan for organization, then I can really get better, then I can grow in holiness. And some of those things can be good and beneficial, but here's what you need to do. Make sure Jesus is the one that you love more than your spouse or your children. Here's the second step in sanctification of marriage. Love your spouse more than anyone or anything else other than Jesus. That's hard too. Love your spouse more than you love your kids. Love your spouse more than you love your job. 
love your spouse more than you love your friends. And when your love for Jesus is first and your love for your spouse is second, you find that God welcomes you in the most wonderful ways into this sanctification, becoming your future glory self in the context of marriage. And as someone who loves Jesus more than anyone else and loves your spouse more than anything else, and part of what you have to consider in all of this is that if your spouse feels as though something is more important than him or her, you need to take that really seriously and do the work necessary to make sure that they understand that they are more important than work or job or security or family or anything else. And in the context of all of that, Jesus being first and being joined to him in faith, loving your spouse more than anybody else, there are some wonderful things that you and I can do. We can pray. We can pray that God might sanctify us and our spouse. We can pray for our spouse. We can lovingly confront, graciously confront. Now, whenever we confront in the context of a marriage, one of the things that it's important to do, I think, is to be, is to be very gentle. Is to be very gentle. One of the tendencies for us is to be worn down by 5, 10, 15. I was talking to people in Escondido. They were celebrating their 70th wedding anniversary. We all applauded for them in adult Sunday school class. And the man said, well, Dr. Godfrey was like, that woman is a saint to make it 70 years. And he said, well, I've always tried to be a good husband. And she said, well, he's not always tried to be a good husband. <laughs> See, that's what happens is that when we're with someone for that long a period of time, there are times where we stop trying. Oh, man got to be gentle in any kind of confrontation. Instead of like yelling, you always do this, you're always like this. Gentleness and thoughtfulness in the way that we confront, but we should confront. Pray about it. And then godly confront. What Proverbs says is, is wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Man, if somebody is only ever saying nice things to you, then that means that's an enemy. A true friend doesn't stab you in the back. A true friend stabs you in the front. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Listen, I love you. I love you more than anybody else in the world. And we just have to talk about this. Because I think it's something that needs to be addressed. Pray. Confront in godliness. Remove the plank from your own eye before you try to remove the speck from your spouse's eye. One of the things that's been the most frustrating for me in marriage is... I'll be confident that Aubrey's doing something real wrong in the course of the marriage. And I'll be like, I got to confront her about this. But my, my pl- don't tell her this. <laughs> what, I, <laughs> what I always try to do is I, I try to spend like one to two weeks making sure that 
I am doing that thing that I think that she's been doing wrong. Turns out it's like always been my fault. And once I do that thing that I think that she's been doing wrong, I'm like, oh, it was me the whole time. I was doing it wrong. I try to remove the plank from my own eye before there's confrontation. And then here's the last thing. Here's how you grow, grow in holiness is that you, just, you delight in Jesus together. So you pray, you see yourself as the biggest problem, you lovingly confront, and then you delight in Jesus together, you worship together, you read the Bible together, you pray together, you tell your children about Jesus together, you are just glad that he has redeemed you together. And all of this God will use to grow you in holiness and sanctification. And let me end by quoting Tim Keller here. When two Christians who fully understand this mission of marriage stand before the minister, all decked out in their wedding finery on their wedding day, they realize they're not just playing dress up. What they're saying is that someday they're going to be standing not before the minister, but before the Lord. And they will turn to see each other without spot or blemish. And they will hear God say, well done, good and faithful servants. Over the years, you've lifted one another up to me. You've sacrificed for one another. You've confronted one another. You've rebuked one another. You've hugged and loved each other and continually pushed each other towards me. And now look at you. You're radiant. What's the purpose of marriage? Don't think about it without the holiness part. That he might sanctify her. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.